Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Jackson trying to escape and run for it, and he's got it more. Lamar Jackson down the sideline. Will they give it to him? They will. Touchdown, Baltimore. And with 117 left to play on Wild Card Weekend, the Hayes in the Barn. Oh my God! I wish you guys could. I wish we had a camera in here so you could see what we're doing. We're just a bunch of <laughs> clowns in here. <laughs> How much fun is that? All right, welcome on back to another edition of the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast. It is Friday. April 2nd, my name is Jake Luke, uh, getting things going here after a uh, slight uh, bit of a bumpy takeoff here with some of the audio stuff that we were discussing, uh, was making a little bit of a Jim Halpert face at my computer, uh, so you know, not not the best start for me here on this Thursday night as we record, but uh, happy to be here with you bud, it's uh, Spencer Schultz, how's it going? Doing well, dog, we are into April, it is liar lunch draft season mock draft season draft draft season 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 season's pizza and we're having fun so i'm excited nothing other than the draft coming up and we've got baseball getting kicked up orioles getting rained out which stunk but they was it rescheduled for tomorrow yeah it is because they play saturday i think yeah okay so by the time you're listening to this the orioles should be playing or about to play or if you're a, an early listener but yeah life is okay it's a little rainy it's a little dreary all around it feels like it's snowing in detroit while miguel cabrera is hitting beautiful home runs so it's been a weird time but it's draft season so i'm happy as a clam yeah definitely it's uh, definitely full swing draft season uh it's been uh a lot of draft content that we've been pumping out uh, for anyone curious. We are recording this remote tonight on a Thursday, and we are not going to be able to get around to uh, our episode for Tuesday tonight, but we will in between now and then. That one's going to be remote as well. Uh, that's going to be the Beatdown Big Board doing interior defensive linemen next week. So we are going to be getting to that, and it is going to come out uh, regularly scheduled at, on Tuesday. We're just not doing our, our super recording sesh here on Thursday night because uh, you got some other matters to attend to. So. We will be getting after the defensive linemen for next uh, Tuesday, and my oh my! If you've been, if you follow me on Twitter, you know Aleem McNeil is my fucking dude. He is a beast. When did that happen, so, by the way? I feel like you just kind of you just got really hot for him out of nowhere. I have like 
seen positive rumblings about him and I, I knew that I was going to like him. So maybe I'm a little biased. Like I knew, I knew I was going to like him. I just could tell. And once I really buckled down and started watching, like I, I've been trying to really save myself for like a good bit virgin eyes for when we do certain positions. Like I have not dug into defensive linemen really at all until this week, like really dug in and, and started to crunch through and I haven't, uh, I was going to watch Davion Nixon today. He's the one that I was, I was going to do today before we recorded, but now that we're recording that later, I'll, I'll push him back. But McNeil, man, I'll get into him on that. I don't want to spoil that, but my, oh my, pie, oh my, he is a fucking Godzilla beast tank, truck tank. He is a man. Little He's pot- 40. Doing a lot there. Little little pie oh my shout out too. I, I imagine you like in the in the stables when it's like raining outside and you're like petting him like Tony Soprano was to pie oh my before it got put down, I think, right? And then I get a nice portrait of me that uh, gets painted over as a a revolutionary man. Paulie, was, yeah, Paulie, <laughs> Paulie Walnuts gets it refurbished as like a, a just a, a random general or something, and he's like keeps it over his fireplace. See, when he does that, he like hates Tony, I think, right? And yeah, that's yeah. why he does it. That's the whole thing. He's yeah, it, it's just very. Like he didn't hate to, by the time Tony went into Paulie's, he doesn't hate Tony anymore. I don't think, which is like even funnier because Tony's just like, what the. Fuck? That's very, one of the best uh, nuggets of that show and of any show. Yeah, they've they've got all these little like bits that are sprinkled throughout it that you just kind of like you can only like pick up on if you're really like kind of paying attention, and that's one of the one of the better ones, I think. Pie oh my baby, interesting, interesting start to the show today. But we do uh, we do of course have a mailbag to get to. We got plenty of questions on Twitter. We haven't done one in a couple weeks. Yeah, we haven't at least not in like a proper way. We've definitely submitted for like listener questions a couple hours prior, but. We did it the right way this time around. Uh, shout out questions well beforehand. So we got plenty of them, uh, starting with Twitter, and we've got Instagram to get to as well. But uh, what do you say we jump into those, bud? Let's do it. Cool. So pulling up my notifications, little filibuster here for you. Da 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 da. So first one coming from Daniel. Uh, would you prefer we go with an edge in round one and wide receiver in round two, or vice versa? Also, what remaining free agent targets would you say fit the team? I'll start. I prefer wide receiver in round one, edge in round two. Mm, I mean, the board always goes. The board gets funny in like the 15 through 25 range. That's where the monkey business starts happening. Yeah. So it's always really tough to predict. And they're always right in there. And they're always right in there. So the funny money, the funny, funny money starts happening at like, 15, 16, 17, weird stuff starts to happen. There's like one or two players that you were positive are going to go top 10 that are still there. And then someone scoops them up and you're like, how far, why is this guy falling? How far is this guy falling? But ultimately edge wise, the only edges that I really feel like I would like at 27 would be pay is not going to, I don't think pay is going to be there. Some people are John Ledger who, Loves edge rushers, writes for the Pewter Report covering the Bucks, and people like his edge rankings or whatever. His pay is the fourth best edge in this class, and people are all over the place on him. I don't know. It's diversified opinions across the board on a lot of these guys. I saw people talking about after Russo struggled a little bit at his pro day, people talking about him being like a day three prospect. It's it's been an interesting uh, interesting season here, especially for the edges. The edges is hard to place, and like Angelari is a weird. He's a weird player. 
like a very hard prospect to like, you can't just be like, mm, yeah, like that's the guy. Like, uh, he's really not that big, but he's really strong. He doesn't have inside counters, but he's good against the run for being small. He's, he's just strange. I think the, the consensus guy is Jalen Phillips. I think the media consensus guy is Jalen Phillips. Everyone knows he is the best pass rusher. I don't think that's up for debate too much. He can win all three ways. He had the production. He's a high recruit was the number one player in the nation, whatever. So I think Phillips and Pay are pretty much off the board. And then that leaves like Ajilari and maybe someone likes Basham because he's big and has finesse and, you know. I feel like he's probably a second round guy that you would be be talking about. So if you were to say wide receiver in round one, I feel like Basham might be that second round guy. Could be wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I could see Basham being around like 50 to 60. I would I would probably think he goes there instead of like 20 to 30 for sure. So you're talking about maybe Basham, maybe Peyton Turner, who I only I really only watched two games. I'm not done watching him still. Definitely gonna be on my rewatches, but then try on try people fucking hate try on. Some people that I follow and like listen to a good bit do not want anything to do with try on. But I think that he is such a scheme fit for the Ravens in terms of the athleticism, the effort, the hustle, the open field ability. Um, some people say he's terrible at setting the edge. I don't, I don't think people know what setting the edge is, but yeah, tr- maybe try on. Yeah. Let's, I mean, Rashad Bateman would be ideal. We all love him. Now everyone's like, he's not 210. He's 190. It's a great way. He thought he was 210 and he looked like he was 210 and he played like he was 210, so he might as well be 210. Well, it's like you, you got him in the mix. You got Terrace Marshall probably in the mix. People are like weirdly forgetting about Kadarius Tony at this point. I feel like he might be uh, in striking distance for them there too. He's another guy that I would love. So I don't know, man. I'm just like, I, I've, I've hinted at this before. I'm just tired of like the just go all in on defense all the time. And I know they've made some additions. We'll talk about Sammy Watkins plenty here. But, you know, it's 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 time to fix the offense. It's time to fix the passing game. If I have to choose between a defensive front prospect and a wide receiver, probably picking the wide receiver every day of the week. Maybe they think differently. That's just what I would do. Yeah. For, from our perspective and for our listeners' perspective, probably, it would just be fun. It would be exciting. Yeah, we think that and every year. Like, literally every year, I would probably say that, too. But, like, this year in particular, it feels like it's it's time to make some changes. And it's time to it's time to end it. It's time to end all this wide receiver crap. Yeah, and doing that, you could do you could do that by drafting one in the second round though too. Yeah, yeah, there will be guys. I mean, like if I if this is the scenario where they go egg one receiver two, depending on who the receiver is, I'm probably going to be fine with that because I think Watkins is like a fine pickup. You got some other guys in the mix now at uh, you know you got Oliver at tight end. Certainly see what happens, but uh, you know it's the they're both deep positions in this draft. Wide receiver is edges so. I think it would send a positive statement as well to pick a, pick a receiver and that you're going to devote. I mean, you bring in Williams, you bring in Martin, you bring in Watkins and you let Snead go. And I think it would just send a nice positive feeling through Lamar, through the fan base, through the organization. And you're talking about extending Lamar. And I think going and getting a receiver in the first round because one of Marshall Bateman or the other guy, these are the three that I really like at the end of the first, and Tony too, I guess. Even I've kind of forgotten about Tony, but throw him in there and Elijah Moore. Like two of those guys are probably going to be on the board. And I don't think 
any of them drafting them in the back of the first round is a mistake. I don't. I wouldn't think that would be an over a, a bad value for those guys. So, uh, yeah, I think it would just send a, a good reverberation of positivity about this offense and Lamar and what you're trying to do moving forward. Yeah, it's like you do don't want to end up with. Four years down the line, you're having PFT write these like Russell Wilson requesting trade type articles about Lamar Jackson. Like, and that's, you know, I'm not saying that that's the, the route they're going down because they haven't. Or the Joe Flacco route of, well, he hasn't had a receiver in four years, yeah. three years. Yeah. It's just, and like Joe had his issues and like he probably, you know, like was maybe a little more of a limited player after some of the injuries and all that stuff. But, you know, For sure. to be fair, they didn't invest in him properly either after that Super Bowl. And I, you know, it just, it kind of would stand to reason to me that like some of this stuff should freak them out a little bit. Some of this Russell Wilson stuff, it should probably spook you a little bit if you're to Costa where you're like, all right, well, you know, I I've got to like, if I'm just going to be hitting doubles with these picks, like Hollywood Brown is, you know, maybe, maybe a triple, you know, at best miles Boykin is like a single, you know, if I'm like, if I'm hitting triples at best, I got to keep investing and like, keep trying to figure this thing out because it might, might lead to problems down the road. It's a good problem to have too many receivers. It's not like their li- their line is not desperate anymore. Uh, they are going to add offensive linemen. They're probably going to add a tackle. I would I would say it's highly unlikely that the Ravens go through the twenty twenty one draft without adding a tackle. But it's another deep position too. Another deep position. Those are the the best positions: are wide receiver and offensive line, and probably DB actually. But uh, edge is some edge is weird. But I think there's good later value in, in the edge position as well. We'll talk about that more, but yeah, let's, let's get the receiver first. Go get a couple. Why don't you go throw two darts at that edge position? One of them, you know, probably sticks hopefully, although that didn't quite work out with Bowser and Tim Williams right away. Basically what it's Uh, come down to for me is like, I want them to throw darts at the positions where there's less certainty. And like, if they have to like spend a season, just kind of figuring it out at edge, you know, trying to cobble it together. I'm more confident in their ability to do that. Even in the immediate and like maybe take the loss if you have to, but I feel like they'd figure something out then at wide receiver, just doing that at wide receiver again because they tried it last year and it didn't really work. So there's still a lot of edges on the market too. And yeah. those guys might not be like Ryan Kerrigan, he doesn't what does he need to sign right now for? He doesn't need to sign right now. And Clowney never signs right away. <laughs> the guy just is addicted to not going to training camp and showing Which up. Which is so sick. Yeah. So sick. It's it's pretty good. I gotta give it to him. Yeah, I don't want Clowney. Uh, that ship has sailed for me, but there's still other guys, Ingram and whoever else. But yeah, let's go receiver in the first round, edge second round. Wookith Nookith. Uh, seafood or barbecue? Also, that bad man Pollard said he's back. His ass might be getting torched, sadly. Thoughts? Bernard Pollard is not signing anywhere, is my first thought. The guy is a loudmouth and kind of a dumbass, and he was bad five years ago when he was in his early 30s. He's not coming back. And if he does, that's going to be a mega tough scene for our guy, Bernard. Uh, for me, it's, good for good for him. He's running around. He feels frisky. He's putting some cleats on running around. Good. Yeah, for no, him. good. Like, like go good run, for him. Go run, go run around. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Do what you got to do. And like, if you do get signed, then, you know, God bless you. No, and no, no one's, no one's signing. Him. Nobody's. Yeah. It's, this is a, a you gotta be like, you have to be literally Deion Sanders to like lay off as a DB for a couple years in your mid to late thirties and then yeah. go play. And Dion was, ridiculous on the Ravens. Yeah, guess who's guess who's like actually worth like that kind of spectacle and like that kind of risk? Deion Sanders. Guess who's not? A guy in Bernard Pollard who was not good as recently as like 2014, you know, like the last time he played. 
and now he's just going to come back at age 36. Like listen, the game has continued to move away from what he was good at as well. And all the all the last all the, the all the shit talking he does about my guy Lamar. You, you want to see him in the open field? Good luck, my friend. That's all I'm going to say about that. And the answer Bernard is Bernard was a Bernard was a bad motherfucker. On listen, I I loved him on the Ravens, and it's all the more unfortunate that he has taken an anti-Raven stance since then. Uh, you know, and it is what it is. He said he was willing to play for John Harbaugh. Apparently, whatever. Which, I, it, whatever. It, it doesn't move the needle for me. He's. <laughs> this might sound contrary to what I was just saying, but he doesn't even cross my mind. Uh, and the answer for me is <laughs> is uh, seafood. Um, I like barbecue. Oh, I forgot about that part. I like barbecue just fine, but there is a little bit of a stand culture around it that I can't totally relate to yet. I feel like five, six years from now, I'm definitely going to be cliche, like white guy in his 30s that has like a green egg and is like super into it. I'm not there yet. And like, I don't like I get heartburn pretty easily and all that kind of stuff. So I'm, I'm a seafood you guy. your food better. Yeah, I, well, I, I definitely do actually have to do that. That's I ran into an issue with that recently, uh, which was not good. But uh, seafood. Yeah, definitely for me. I'm, I'm a Maryland guy. Like me some seafood. I like barbecue too. Maryland, Maryland's got the pit beef. They do. Yeah. Listen, it's the Andy Nelson's. I, I, I like it all. But chaps, chaps, pit beef, baby. If you yeah. haven't, chaps is good. You're, you are not. I promise you, you are not. I'll give it to you if you're on the Eastern Shore or something, whatever. But if you are from continental Maryland and have not had chaps pit beef, and you're listening to this podcast, go fuck yourself. They have plenty of good. Go get some chaps pit beef. They got good beef options down there too. Honestly, they do. There, Andy Nelson's, Jake's. Pit. Yeah, Jake's is good. On, I've, uh, had, I've had that catered before. That uh, little side of the road jaunt on what is that Falls Road? I think. Yeah, sounds right. Yeah, Maryland's got Maryland's got good seafood, good barbecue. I'm a seafood guy. I'm a seafood guy. Shrimp is my favorite. Like, give me shrimp every shrimp. day. I'm happy. Shrimp, little scallops. You know, get, getting into fancy boy territory there, but it's, it's just good, man. Like, I can eat scallops. I, I have to scallops. I'm a real priss about. I need to have like the the good crust on a scallop, or I'm I'm pretty prissy. Yeah, that's kind of where it is. Where like I love barbecue, but I can't eat it every day. I could eat seafood every day, and I love it. I just ate barbecue outlaw barbecue in Hampstead, and it kind of made me sick. That's it's just it's kind stuff. of a gamble. Like it's kind of a gamble. I feel like it's much easier to fuck up barbecue. I could this is this is how I like to put things like this. I couldn't live without seafood. I could live without barbecue. Yeah, I agree. I I definitely agree. There is like a obviously I am I'm a barbecue guy. I like barbecue a lot. Yeah, me too. Me too, for sure. But, you know, it's it, I'm a seafood boy. Seafood boys. Stuart Shock with an interesting one. Who is the worst NFL team that Lamar would turn into a contender? It's a tough. <laughs> I don't know, the fucking Jets. Yeah, actually, with some of the additions they just made, too, I feel like he could definitely... Even, I don't know, I think, I really genuinely think that if you have any sort of remote defense at all, like a top 25 defense, and you have Lamar, and you can win nine games. I think he'll win nine games right now for literally any team in the NFL. Yeah, I, I mean, like, a lot of these teams have really good skill positions, too. And some have decent offensive lines. Like, if you went to the Jaguars right now, they're, like, 12-4, and four, I think. There's, like, 10 to 12 quarterbacks, I honestly think, could take any team. To yeah, like, I, I kind of look at it from... Uh, maybe, like, eight. Kind of look at it from, uh, you know, maybe a, a guy Excuse me, nine and eight. Nine and eight. That's a new jump ball. Right, yeah. Nine and eight is... Whoo! Nine and eight is a that is a meaty boy record. That know. is like a fucking battle tested, scarred face kind of record. Yeah, that's 
Another John Rambo. I could use one of those. Yeah. I could use a nine and eight wild card. That'll really fucking get the juices flowing. I'll tell you what. D- Listen, be careful what you wish for. Um, as long as it's wild card, I don't care. But yeah, I was going to say, like, kind of just looking at and maybe like maybe mentioning this name on the these airwaves is not great right now. But looking at some of the teams like Deshaun Watson is like talking about getting traded to. I think he could turn like any of them into a contender right now. So I feel like Lamar. Damn, is, that actually makes me have a feel stupid because Deshaun Watson was lights out and they were four and twelve. Which is which but is where they didn't it's have a top twenty five defense. Yeah, and like top twenty five defense. They didn't have good skill players either. Will Fuller was hurt. Their offensive line not great. So listen, like the Texans are a fucking mess. Like. <laughs> in and of itself. And he may well be a part of that. I guess we'll wait for the facts to come out, but um, that is, so I think that is the level because the Texans had literally 31st or 32nd defense. And that's, that's the cutoff. Give him a top 25 defense. And it literally doesn't matter because that's pretty much what the Ravens fucking game plan is, is draft a bunch of young offensive players, have a kick-ass defense and win at least 10, 11, 12 games. Right. Clay, uh, predictions on the amount of primetime games is his first question. I'm going to say four with the added game. I think they'll get four. At 17? Yeah. So I was thinking three with the 16. I think it's going to be four. The NFL, lo- the NFL loves Lamar. They do, yeah. They, they've gotten more in recent years. I, like, I, I, I don't even blame them. Like in the, I mean, How many were there last year? What, the, Pittsburgh, the Pittsburgh game was supposed to be on Thanksgiving, so we'll count, we have to count that. Yeah, there were four or five, right? Then the Browns Monday night. There are a few. Cowboy, Cowboys was one. Um, Cowboys Thursday. Then there was at least one more. Chiefs Monday night. Yeah. So at least at least one more. I think it was actually five. But anyway, uh, yeah, I think I think four. I think, I think four. three is too little and six is too many. So either four or five again. Yeah, it's you know it's a smaller market team that still matters to them for some reason. Um, so whatever. I think the combination of Lamar plus the black uniforms is like, all right, put the Ravens on primetime. Yeah. Uh, he then says, is Ravens Twitter always this psychotic or is it the Lamar effect? Uh, combination of both, I think, but Lamar has definitely juiced it up. He's also brought in a younger kind of generation of uh, kids that like treat social media way differently than like our generation even does, for example. So, you know, it's it just kind of, that's how it goes with the passage of time, I think to some extent, but yeah, Lamar, He's uh, he's whipped up this fan base into a uh, fever pitch, which, you know, I would rather have that than like apathetic, like bad back late era Joe Flacco, like who gives a shit? They're going nine and seven, like whatever. I, I'd rather have the uh, just sort of the, the the kind of the cauldron of craziness that we have right now, as opposed to just nothing. This new wave of Ravens fans that is younger and kind of hype beastie on Lamar, whatever. They don't deserve a Super Bowl. I'm sorry. You don't deserve it yet with your actions. I know because I was that way very much so when I was 15, 16, 17. And guess what, buckos? You guys are going to suffer some fucking pain and you'll get a Super Bowl sometime this decade. I think it's kind of, I think it's fun. I, I love all their little like at names and stuff. It's kind of, it's cute. It, it's the national effect of Lamar that has really driven the frenzy. I don't think we haven't really talked about Lamar that much. I feel like so, like this has been a which is a good. Nice I, little like I, ten minutes on Lamar. Yeah, but he has caused such a stir in the national media that it has made Ravens fans insecure. I think in ways, and, yeah, uh, and they are very reactive. Whatever I've, I've, I mean, the narratives around Lamar have just been a whole headache for going on four years. 
four years now. I think I will say that it started in the national media and it started with some people that had some maybe not so smart opinions about him. So, I, you know, if there's a little course correction, I'm okay with that. Like literally the minute they draft, the second they drafted him, there was a paradigm shift within this franchise organization and fan base. It was like, oh shit, the Ravens got Lamar Jackson. It was, it was napalm. I remember I tweeted game. the next day, my team is exciting. Yeah. Which was like an insane thing to think at the time. Yeah, exactly. So he then finally, he has a third question, uh, Godzilla or King Kong? No spoilers. I'm a Godzilla guy. I have, <laughs> I've been watching them. I am, uh, I got, I fell asleep halfway through Godzilla, King of the Monsters last night. I watched Godzilla 2014. I watched Escape from Skull Island for the first time. I have to finish uh, the monsters, Godzilla. I've only seen 2014 Godzilla and the Peter Jackson King Kong, which I thought Peter Jackson King Kong is pretty good. Godzilla 2014, pretty good. I thought it was kind of disappointing at the time, though. Um, but, you know, it was, it was pretty good. Yeah, I, I expected more, which is kind of on me. Um, there was not enough Brian Cranston. I don't know, like, why he had to, spoilers, like, die so early. Because um, that, that guy that plays his son, Aaron Johnson, is, like, really just kind of a, a robot so I don't know like how he got put in that role and like some of the some of the scripting was a little weird, but I don't know. I liked it. I don't have high expectations of those movies. So I mean, I, I did I because the trailer was so badass. That 2014 trailer with uh, oh, oh the trailer for the trailer for Godzilla was badass. It was sick. Yeah, you, it looked like gritty expect? and it looked gritty and smart what and like you, of course the trailer for Godzilla is badass. Yeah, but it was like in kind of a subtle way. Like it wasn't. I don't know. Like, <laughs> but the, listen. George Bush, like we won't get fooled again, but that was, I, I got, I, I definitely got God on that one because you I have to temper your expectations on those reiterated. I was like 19 and it looks sick. Stories. It looked, I mean, yeah, it is, it is sick. That's the thing. It is sick, but you're like, you can't, you can't focus on the details, like the, the, the artistic details of the plot and the acting in Godzilla movies. It's impractical. And if they're not getting A-list motherfuckers, like if it's not literally a top of the line shiny, hey, let actor, me tell. Actress, listen, let me tell. Not you, gonna, if imagine if Chris Pratt was in that movie, how good it would have been. Let me tell you something. People were probably saying this about superhero movies prior to 2005, and then guess what came out? Motherfucking Batman Begins. So I don't listen. Sorry for oh, holding yeah, these. Oh yeah, with Christian Bale. Yeah, sorry for holding these. You if know, Christian Bale was in that movie. It would be a ninety-seven on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, it would have been better. But it, like, sorry for holding if these Christian directors Bale and these scriptwriters to a better standards. Sorry for you know having high standards. My bad. You, yeah, but you can't have high standards of Godzilla. Like I had never to... seen one. I did. Gojira. Gojira. It was Gojira. good. No, it, listen, it was good. I liked it. Just wanted wanted a little more, a little bit of a different direction. But it's okay. In the end, I I think I'm a etern- I think I'm eternally a Godzilla boy, but. Like this King Kong was pretty sick and escape from skull Island was pretty sick. Yeah. I only, like I said, I've only seen the Peter Jackson King Kong, which came out like 15. You should watch it. It's, it's, it's pretty good. Yeah. I liked it at the time. Um, maybe check it out again. No, Uh, no, no, there's a new one. Kong escape from skull Island. That one. okay. Okay. That's the, that's the preface for King Kong versus Godzilla. All right. Well, if I don't get really good acting and like a really well written script, then I'm, I'm complaining to you about that. Take your exact expectation, reduce your expectations, and you'll be blown away. Which is such an oxymoron of a statement, but. Sounds like some conversations we've been having recently with uh, one of our friends uh, regarding the Ravens. Uh, Kalen, uh, out of the 21 draft class, which prospect, regardless of position, was the best at making another teammate or teammates excel? 
For example, I'd say Ardarius Washington. I believe without Washington, Morig doesn't excel the way that he does. I think that's a good good one to start with. Kind of lets him uh, cover the top. That, that like, I'm just going to, Ali McNeil, Ali McNeil, Ali McNeil. Okay. Like, NC State's linebackers suck. I, li- I just wrote about it. I've been watching him. I'll go with someone else that's not of that position. because We're going to get into that, but makes his teammates better. Hmm. Landon Dickerson. I mean, any Alabama receiver, um, you know, Mac Jones, you know, coming under a lot of fire recently um, for no fault of his own. I don't think for all that. Mm, I'm, I'm ruminating on this one. I think Kadarius Tony. Okay. I like Kadarius Tony is a banshee that he is getting the ball. He is commanding a lot of attention and is tough, tough, tough to bring down. Like he made life easier, I think, a lot of the time for Trask and for that entire Florida offense. I think Kadarius Tony is capable of of elevating his teammates. People don't people don't understand Tony, and we haven't gotten into the receivers yet. We will. We've been saving that as the the our favorite part of it towards the end. Resistance, the Viva la Resistance, and but people don't understand about Tony. He is a tough son of a bitch over the middle of the field. Like he will get whacked and bring the ball down. Him and Elijah Moore both. I think people know that about Elijah Moore a little better. But Tony is tough as nails. He is tough as they come. Um, Gives me a little Jarvis Landry vibes at times. The ball in his hand. Yeah, yeah, that absolutely. Debo Samuel, Jarvis Landry. um, I think I think someone called him somewhere between Debo and Percy Harvin. And I don't I don't hate that. He's not quite as fast as Percy Harvin. Percy Harvin is a very unique player, but having to tackle him, he consistently every time he has the ball is going to be a pain in the ass to tackle. If you come at him lazy, you're not tackling him. That elevates teammates. That tires out defenses, I think. That commands a lot of attention and just gasses teams, having to continuously battle this gritty, quick, explosive, twitchy individual. Garnet, uh, would you guys be fine with trading Orlando for the 13th overall pick from the Chargers? Uh, not only would I yeah. be fine with it, I would like that. Yeah, I'm fine with that, for sure. I feel like, uh, I feel like you're getting a really good return on investment there. Uh, Ravens burner. When scouting prospects, especially quarterback, how much do you think about the talent around them? I know Bama plays a tough schedule, but I'd be nervous drafting Jones just because of how stacked they were on offense. It's it like Trey Lance looks like some sort of hybrid of Cam Newton and Lamar Jackson as a runner a little bit, but he's not like he he would not be doing to the extent of what he did as a runner to Texas or to Oregon. I think he would still be able to run. Absolutely. I think he'd be able to run in the NFL. I think he's big and strong and fast and stuff, but level of competition, I mean, all, all that stuff. But if a guy is has a clean pocket and puts a throw on the money, it doesn't matter who he's throwing it to, who he's playing. That kind of thing doesn't matter. So it, it just depends on different situations and different contexts. And like a running back, is he making precise cuts? Is he setting up second-level blocks? Or is he just kind of that's why I don't really love Travis Etienne because he kind of just is a little faster than everyone and I think that's going to go away and and that's why I like Najee Harris. Najee Harris is going to be setting guys up on the second level at at Bama in high school in the NFL. So, you know, our guys relying on things that are going to be lesser in the NFL, but then I mean, 
it's 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 kind of hard because Lamar Jackson, you know, people would constantly say isn't going to be able to do what he did to NFL defenses, and he has done worse at times to NFL defenses. He has, I mean, what he did against the Bengals on that freaking spin touchdown run. He did some crazy stuff at Louisville, but that might be the craziest thing he's done. Yeah, just like scout the traits, you know, like standing in the pocket, accuracy, and it's like it's not every single play is going to be wide open. Not every single play is going to be a completely clean pocket no matter what. And it kind of feels like there's, like I said, Mac Jones is coming under fire from a lot of people for this kind of stuff. And I feel like I don't know if people actually hold this opinion or if they're just coming after him because they're frustrated around some of the discourse around Justin Fields, which I think is bullshit in its own right. But like, let's all just calm down and just evaluate these guys for what they are. And like, if he deserves to have a couple points docked because, you know, guys were wide open and he had like a a good offensive line, then dock him those points. But like, let's not get too crazy here. Like, let's just evaluate the prospect. And just the funny thing is, is like Zach Wilson's line was more dominant than Mac Jones's line was like considering the competition, like they played coastal Carolina and BYU was, you know, has several NFL caliber guys and, it's like if a guy has a clean pocket, he has a clean pocket. Like you want to see what they can do out of a clean pocket. And that narrative for me for Mac Jones is bullshit. He took some fucking shots. I don't care what anyone says. Go watch the um, Michigan bowl game from 2019. He is standing tough in the pocket. He was not as great. He was not adept. He didn't have that offseason as QB1 and took some shots, delivered some balls. And I, I'm, you know, Cassidy Higdon, a guy who's involved in Baltimore beatdown, he's He's a Bama fan, and he was kind of saying at first, I don't, I don't know how I can deal with the pressure, blah, blah, blah. I'm, like, I'm telling you, this kid takes shots and delivers the football um, pretty well. So I don't, I don't like that narrative. Is he going to elevate a crappy offensive line? Maybe not. But, you know, is Matt Ryan? No. Like, and Matt Ryan's had a hell of a career. Yeah. And Matt Ryan, you know, it, it took him some time and, they had to get a damn good offensive line for him. So it, it it's like, is same thing, he, same thing. Literally people were saying the same things about Josh Allen too, or like, maybe not the exact same thing. Like it was kind of the opposite. Like, like the NFL, like scouts were like arguing that, Oh, he's going to be able to elevate when he gets to this next level because he's going to have help around him. And like some people, I think understandably thought that was kind of ridiculous and then it worked out. So it's like, you know, let's just all, let's try to evaluate what a guy can do. Let's not worry about like, Oh, well, he had this, so he can't do that. It's just like, it's, you know, there's too many absolutes being thrown around. But yeah, you definitely do want to take into context. You, you also really need to try to dig and it's tough being on the outside and not having, you know, quite as much access, but you get it in parts here and there of what guys real responsibilities and assignments were and understanding the level between a quarterback who might be making line calls at times in college versus a quarterback who, isn't even, you know, deciding what the cadence is going to be that's predetermined in the play call and getting pulled in from the sideline. So those are, are things that are integral in quarterback play. And I think that's why teams seem to be, you know, maybe it is lies and maybe Mac Jones ends up being a, you know, drafting the 29th pick or something, whatever. But if you're calling plays, if you're telling guys where they're supposed to be, if you go watch Bama film and someone is not where they're supposed to be, Mac Jones puts them there. And that's the kind of stuff that people don't tangibly understand about the game. And having a guy like that just to be able to run scout team in practice that is getting guys when you're trying to mimic another team and you have Mac Jones as your backup for a year and you see him consistently getting guys lined up and communicating through the assignments. That's what you want as a coach that you want a player that's able to as a quarterback, you need to be able to know everyone's job and tell them where they're supposed to be, get them calm, get them under control. Like you think Tom Brady isn't going to immediately call someone out who's not lined up right and get them right. Like that's part of what makes him great. Exactly. 
Uh, Zeke Batman, uh, pick at 27. Bateman, Phillips, Marshall, Ojolari are all off the board. Elijah Moore, Vera Tucker, Morig, Russo, away. Let's just say they didn't sign another edge. Who are you taking? Trade back option there if you want to cop out. So I think he's saying of that second group, who would you take? So it's Elijah Moore, Elijah Vera Tucker, Javon Morig, Greg Russo, Jason Owe. Mm, probably Elijah Moore. I like Elijah Moore. Admittedly, I have not watched him yet. I like Elijah Moore. <clears throat> I would Morig, say... is, Morig is good. Uh, Owe is a freak, whatever. Good run defender who has a lot of upside as a pass rusher. And then Vera Tucker. Yeah, Vera Tucker you can see, but... He's probably playing guard, and I don't, I don't know. I would take Vera Tucker. Um, yeah. Trade back option there if you want to. I, I have no idea with trade back. Yeah. Just no idea. Um, Ravens Burner says, how would you like to see the seventh ga- 17th game workout opponent-wise? So I think he means as far as like um, – how how like how would you like it to be factored every single year? So he follows up with some examples like just pick a random team every year or factor the previous year's schedule somehow or do a local rivalry thing. How do you think? It already is picked. It's the you you play a a revolving door of an, the opposing conference. So the Ravens will always play a team that finishes in the same spot in their division as the Ravens finish in the AFC North. So if the Ravens finish first in the AFC North, they're going to play a division winner from the NFC. If the Ravens finish third in the AFC North, they're going to play a third place finisher, i.e. the St. Louis, or the Los Angeles Rams. Good Lord, St. Louis. Um, Los Angeles Rams. That's why the Ravens are playing them this year because the Rams finished third in the NFC West and the Ravens finished third in the AFC North. So that's already been decided. Okay. That is all we had for Twitter. Let's get through this. Instagram. How much money would you pay to be inside the war room on draft night as a spectator? Fiore Lucas asked. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd pay a good bit of money to do that. Yeah, I think I would too. I actually, uh, if anyone uh, hasn't listened to my interview with John Feinstein, we actually chatted about him doing that exact thing in the 2004 draft. And it sounds like it was really fascinating. And I asked him a couple of questions on it because I'm pretty interested in that topic as well. Uh, I think it's a pretty kind of cool spot where you got a lot of dudes that are paid a lot of money, that are under a lot of pressure in that exact moment. And uh, there's moving parts that they can't predict, and uh, it'll be fun to watch. So, yeah, a lot of money. Four figures would be my my starting point. Faux show. G. Fritz. Whose farts are worse, Orlando Brown or the big baby? Mm, I think Brandon Williams. Orlando Orlando is too, like, image conscious. I don't think he would really, like, want to be letting him fly. I, yeah, think I think they're they're bad. I think Brandon Williams thinks it's hilarious. When yeah, like Brandon, like Orlando's are probably bad, but he probably like does a good job like hiding it. I feel like Big Baby is just kind of letting him rip. There we go, Ryan J. Laurie. Is it true they call you Jake the Nuke Luke due to your hitting of absolute bombs on the fairway? Many people are calling me this. Yes, I'm also called uh, the ultimate driving machine, a generational driver of the golf ball. Uh, largely myself calling myself that. Um, but yeah, you know, it's probably the only aspect of my game that I'm confident in. So yeah, there we go. Hell yeah. Fucking pump those bad boys out. Ryan J. Laurie as well. Who is the top, the one that got away draft pick that the Ravens missed out on? Easy to think of Des Bryant immediately. Him, Aaron Rodgers uh, would be another one I would maybe look at. Um, who else? But Aaron Rodgers is kind of tough, though, because I feel like he probably wouldn't have been Aaron Rodgers if he went to Baltimore. A lot of people would probably say recently A.J. Brown, DK Metcalf. Yeah, 
Yeah, definitely. Um, but that would be that would be a lot worse if Hollywood hadn't wound up being good. Yeah, if it's like AJ Brown is an All Pro player, Hollywood is a Pro Bowl player. You could have done a lot worse. Gronk, Cape Gronk, yeah, Gronk, Gronk and Jimmy Graham. Graham. I have I have it on good authority that uh, the Ravens tight ends that co- coach that year really wanted Jimmy Graham, and uh, they did not get him. Sayed. K Brick two. Are you prepared to take another edge defender with the first round pick? It's a big need. Yeah, I think a lot of people are expecting that to be the case. It certainly is a big need, and yeah. they haven't taken a first round edge since Sizzle. Yeah, I, I would say I would say yes, but I think we had this discussion. If it comes down to that, or an offensive playmaker uh, in the form of a pass catcher, I think I know what I'm choosing. Tyler Janowitz, my boy from high school. Deami Brown, first round talent, or do we trade back to get him in the second round? Is he a uh, first round talent? I I've been having a tough time with his evaluation. Uh, he has the same Phil Longo, same offensive coordinator that AJ Brown and DK Metcalf had at Mississippi, and he plays that DK Metcalf role. He runs three routes. I think that he can run more than three routes. I don't think that's a problem, but. Jamie Brown is like, he has a little Travis Taylor to him. Like, he will make spectacular catches at times. He'll drop some. He'll drop some really easy balls. He'll, you know, he'll make some nice shoestring catches and then really have some greased hands. Um, I, I have a Nelson Aguilar comp for him as an NFL player. Nelson Aguilar didn't have any sort of drop issues in college, but I don't think Jamie Brown is like a really natural hands catcher, but he's super physical. He's tough after the catch. He's a great vertical threat understands how to manipulate coverage a little bit so he can go deep, go deep. I've also seen some Mike Wallace comps for him. I, I like Nelson Aguilar, but uh, yeah, I mean, they want, if they traded back a little bit and, you know, five picks, whatever, and you get Deami Brown, I, I understand why I'm uh, not done evaluating him yet though. Yeah. I, I really haven't watched him yet, which is probably on me. I've, I've only really seen him when I watch Daz. Um, so yeah, I, I'll, I'll check him out soon. There you go. Adam Jones, three fifty seven. Can't really picture in my head Tony or Marshall as Ravens. They'd probably bust with us. Pause. Um, can't really picture Tony or Marshall. I can I can see Kadarius Tony. I can see it. Yeah, I like. I think there's a maybe a, a Rashad Perryman kind of concern with uh, Terrace Marshall. Um, but Kadarius, like, I don't see what there isn't to see. Like the guy's a badass receiver. I think you see like a small, fast guy, and you think, you know, Travis Taylor, Hollywood Brown, two point I feel like he's way better than you know people are giving him credit for. I think so too. Block one one three four. Are the Ravens ever going to trade Baby Zeus? I think yeah. I think it's I think it's sneaking up on us. We said that we thought he'd be gone a month ago, but I think it's I think it's sneaking up. I think. Uh, a well-connected, uh, well-connected guy with the Chargers, Daniel Popper, was actually kind of tweeting some speculation that maybe they're holding on to salary cap space to do exactly that. So who knows, man? We'll see. That would make sense. I think the Ravens have really been being patient, seeing if the offers get better, and they're willing to they're willing to to let him go for that third round comp pick next year. Uh, is is not the end of the world if that happens. Coach Davis, four. How many games are you going to in person if MNT is at full capacity? I'll be going to all nine, big boy. Uh, yeah, probably a, a couple for me. I'll, I'll probably be vaccinated by then. So, yeah, I, I would think three would probably be my number. There we go. Z Zoller. Trade up in the draft due to limited roster spots? If so, where and for who? 
due to limited it, roster spots. I don't. I don't think they have a lot of room on their roster. I really don't. Me and uh, Dan Reese on Twitter, we're, we're looking at it. They need a couple edges. They need a tackle. They just re-signed LJ Fort, which I'm pumped about. Um, you know, maybe a center, may, maybe a receiver. They've got like I think they have like five, six spots where it's like, all right, they need somebody. There's going to be if they draft seven guys, there's going to be some big time cuts. Injuries do happen. That's just never that's never precluded them though. Like I feel like we've said this before. I remember in 2016 they drafted like 13 guys, and I was like, geez, like they're not going to be able to fit all these guys on the roster. Why do they keep doing this? Yeah, and then I'm not. I'm not saying one. Like, like, don't. I might. Yeah, I might prefer them to trade up. Honestly, at that point, like the Packers drafted like 13 players last year, and literally none of them did anything. Yeah, so like AJ Dillon will probably do some damage in the coming. They just Packers are so weird, but. Nico Lafera, 98. Should we expect what should we expect from Greg Roman this season? Will he adjust in the pass game? I don't I don't think um, I don't think he's going to adjust much. Uh, I think Roman has a very core philosophy. I think his run game is that flubber capacity where they can run any concept, any way, anywhere, and then he likes to have a vertical play action aggressive offense over top Ravens went, they increased their screens by almost 50% from like 5% to a little over 7% last year. Uh, I don't think we're going to see that be where I would like it to be at around 10, 11, 12%. I think screens would help this offense a lot more, more jet sweep passes, more jet sweeps, things like that. But I don't I mean, no, I don't think they're going to see like a, a bunch of different stuff. I just hope that the play sequencing is a little better. I hope they, uh, utilize some more logical concepts more frequently where you're getting the ball in the hands of guys that aren't Lamar to take pressure off of Lamar, whether it's Hollywood, Duvernay, Watkins, Dobbins, Edwards, getting them the ball in space more like we saw against the Titans in that wild card game. I think we are going to see some different stuff from him, and I think it's probably, I don't know if it's going to be him sitting down in the lab and saying like, okay, like we need to really drastically change something, but like you got two fresh new minds in, uh, Keith Williams and T. Martin. So I think that's probably gonna gonna factor in a little bit here uh, with them ostensibly taking over that uh, David Cully role. I feel like they're gonna bring some uh, some fresh ideas, maybe help him spruce things up a bit. I don't like. I wouldn't expect anything crazy different. And like, frankly, as much as like Ravens fans love to bitch about Greg Roman, like I wouldn't want that myself personally. Like just like what? I think the biggest difference could be that like the receivers are a year older, Lamar's a year older, so they can use more and like, elaborate concepts within the playbook and feel more comfortable using them in a higher volume because they might trust guys to execute them a little more. And they'll be better too. Like you already got better with Sammy Watkins. You got better with Zeitler. You know, Josh Oliver is intriguing. You have a draft to go. Like they're going to be better talent wise. Plus a draft. Yeah. I think the offense will be better talent wise. I agree. Tyrod D, ooh, to mega tough scene. Do you think losing LJ4 will make a bigger impact than most people think? Well, guess what? We never have to find out because he's back, Madalabas. Tweet out the uh, the Wolf of Wall Street clip. Has anyone tweeted? Have, have, have you heard of this movie? This Wolf of Wall Street, the scene where he says, I'm not fucking leaving. Nobody ever talks about that scene. Nobody ever talks about it. Quentin Pearson is my best guess. No vowels in there. Uh, what's a better use for our first round pick a plug and play offensive lineman or a wide receiver that can contribute this year? Honestly, first round pick, if they're going to start and be okay. Like if I know that they're going to be a decent level starter 
Like if you're going to have Tevin Jenkins for a year at guard or something and then kick him to tackle, I, I think offensive line. I think having a brick shit house offensive line makes Lamar's life very easy. Yeah, I think there's an argument to be made for that. And like, it's kind of, I do get a little annoyed with like using past precedent as just like absolute scripture. So like saying that if they did that, then it will be 2019 all over again. So I would like to still see them invest in weapons. I would personally probably say receiver because they've made all these picks on interior offensive line. At a certain point, you kind of got to see what you got, especially with the fact that you already but made none in the not in the first round and since Ben Grubbs. I yeah, listen, I agree. Uh, but you know, Marshall Yana found the third round, so you, you gotta you gotta start giving these guys some shots, especially like Ben Bredesen. People seem to really like him. Uh, so yeah, maybe give some of those guys some shots and, uh, let's, let's keep, I, I hate to sound like a broken record with the receiver thing, but let's just, let's get that figured out. Boss Haas double O shots on me. Next time you're in OC love living here, but no sports radio sucks. You two rock. There is no sports radio in ocean city. It does stink, but that's the only thing that stinks. We love you, boss Haas. We love ocean city. Yeah, we certainly do. I was down there a couple weeks ago for St. Patty's. Got plenty of friends that still live in the area after going to college near down there. So, yeah. Love love me some OC. B-Rose 931 went, whoo, fired off a clip of questions. He just emptied the clip. Oh, my God. He went, gratata. B-Rose 931, best IPAs in the Baltimore region, question mark. Jake's got the Manor Hill. IPA one of my literally one of my favorite beers and like I didn't know about it until a couple of years ago when I went to the Manor Hill Tavern in Old Ellicott City really nice quaint little uh, uh, old tavern style restaurant which you should check out and their brewery they make the Manor Hill IPA I love it you can find it at pretty much any local packy I'd recommend it if you hadn't had it yet because it's really good one of my favorite local beers one of my favorite beers in general and we're also both dogfish boys I know that Dogfish boys. B-Rose 931. What would have to ap- happen for EDC to trade up in round one? I think he's got to be a little drunk. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, but it should it shouldn't <laughs> take that. Like, come on, like, let's let's get a little gotta be a little drunk. What, what, what does EDC drink? Red I'll wine? Get a couple of sniffs of, sniffs of red wine in me, a little snifta of below, trading up to go get Rashad <laughs> Bateman. I used to be heavy into Jameson. Yeah, things got Jameson a little Hensley. Things got a little Jameson Hensley and Hennessy. Yeah, I mixed it with this uh, this at the club. I mixed it with a club with some uh, Jack and Coke. I called it a Judon, and uh, it was not very well received. Uh, but we don't have to talk about those days. Uh, but well, he's probably mixing them with Coca Cola, right? I think that a player just really has to drop, and it is like unscrupulously egregious. Listen to how that. much he bitched about not having a second round pick like, what, two years ago? It's like the guy just loves his draft picks, man. He loves those day two picks for sure. Uh, I, like C- if C.D. Lamb was another three picks, like he might be a Raven right now. But he yeah, was at 17, which he C.D. Lamb slipped a bit, but he didn't slip a bunch. I think there has to be someone that really is just slipping, slipping, slipping. If a player uh, starts to slip and the Cowboys are like within striking distance, you got to get your ass up and moving because those fuckers, <laughs> they just, they a wide receiver specifically. Yeah. If, if a wide receiver starts to fall then you got to pull the trigger and make it happen. Cause I'm tired of fucking grinning. Jerry sitting up in his war room, clapping everyone on the back, just having a grand old time with all the fun players that they get. Figure it out. Figure it out. Matias the great. How much input do you think LJ8 has on the draft? He did ask for Hollywood Brown in 2019. 
Probably a, probably a little bit. I mean, like he did ask for Hollywood. He talked about Jerry Judy too. It sounds like he's he's in their ear a little bit, and of course they're going to consider that. You don't want to consider it too much though, to the point where you're you have Joe Flacco handpicking Tandon Doss. You know, there's got to be a little bit of a. That was like a, they asked him which late round receiver do you like though? It wasn't like who, it's still just like it's still one round. of the funniest things though to me because like Joe Flacco is not watching college football. Like he definitely just like was getting ready to like go to a barbecue or something, and like there was an Indiana game on, and Tandon Doss uh, makes no, like I'm, I'm pretty sure they gave him I'm pretty sure they gave him a list of guys, and we're like which one of these ones do you want? And I don't know I don't know. And he's like oh yeah what? I saw that guy make a catch one time when I was walking out the door. They, like. I'm pretty sure you can go through in your tablet and access College All 22 the same way you access the Ravens film. Like I'm pretty sure they can do that. I'm trying to uh, so listen. I'm, I'm trying to do a Joe Flacco bit here, but if it's not going to be well received, then we don't have to. We can just talk about this practically if you want. All right, go ahead. No, I already. It's out there. It's fine. It didn't land. I'll accept that. I think Joe really tried to be like a little GM. That's my bit, though. I think he tried to like think. Joe probably thinks he can fucking pick them. That's what I think. I mean, the guy like the guy clearly doesn't give one flying fuck what people think about him. So like that wouldn't shock me if he like thought he could do that. Him and Eli Manning, man, they really are just like, I can't wait for po- retired Joe is going to be pretty sweet. Why Maybe is he quite. still? Why is he still playing? The guy just loves he's football. He's making millions, man. He's, he's making, making yeah, he's making million. Well, I guess three million this year. <laughs> yeah. WB Caps, best couch napping TV programming, sports or otherwise. For me, personally, uh, I actually have one show that I have never watched, but I have, I'm have i on like season six of it. I've never watched it. I can't tell you any of the characters' names. I put it on to go to sleep. It's called like Halt, halt and Fire. Halt, halt and, fire halt and uh, Catch Fire. Halt and Catch Fire on Netflix. I put that on. Back in my back in my high school days, I the really boy used to come home I've, and watch Everybody Loves Raymond. Robert, yeah, no, um, Hold and Catch Fire is good. I've I have been meaning to. No, it's not. No, it's not. No, the first season apparently is like kind of mediocre. Which I was thinking that like the vibes were good, and then I looked it up, and apparently it gets like really really well received for the next three seasons. It runs for four, so I really like that kind of whole like early eighties tech thing. Some of the characters are cool in season one. It's not great, but like I'm trying to just push through it and get to that second season, which is supposed to be great. Well, that's what I go sleepy to. So everybody loves Raymond was my nap show. That's a good, that's a really good nap show because it's just kind of, uh, you know, it was on when I got home from school and I would just lay down in the Shea lounge. It's like, it's a very quiet show. It's very calm. Like there's not a lot of noise. Yeah. The stakes are, the stakes are not what you would call high and everybody loves yes. Raymond. It's Ray. It's a just, low pressure environment. It's Ray like trying to get like published in ESPN and like trying to get laid with by Deborah and like Robert is just like struggling and it's like, <laughs> what's going on here with Robert and like the, the, the parents are like maybe the most angst inducing, like, you know, aspect of the show. But other than that, yeah, it's pretty, it's good. I like everybody loves Raymond. Uh, golf is the sport to fall asleep to if you're looking for one. Uh, so that's good. Uh, and not to fall asleep to, but I have been watching, uh, justified recently. So if you're looking for a suggestion, that's on Hulu. Watch justified with Timothy. Justified. Justified. Bureau's nine thirty one. <laughs> Guys, just why do some fire and why do some Ravens fans on Twitter act like Prochet is the second coming of Jerry Rice? I don't know, but I love it to be honest. It's incredible. Uh, Proche, if Prochet doesn't have eighty receptions, thousand yards in one of the next two seasons, y- y'all gonna have some splain in the deal. No, they're not because he's not getting utilized. Man, how does Greg Roman not see this? Greg Roman tweet like a highlight why? of him. 
tweet a highlight of him making a catch at SMU. And it's like, all right, guys, we know you're just trying to get engagement. Like, you can relax a little bit. Like, Harms, Harms Jr., wide receivers over D-line? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Like... I listen, I hate to keep hate to keep going to the well, but the answer is yes. Sorry, sorry, Ravens, if you don't agree with me, but you're wrong. Bureau's 931. <laughs> He's letting the chopper sing tonight, man. Jesus, I gotta brah, take cover. Brah. Do we have any evidence that Jalen Ferguson could break out next year? Jalen Ferguson needs to play five tech, not edge. That is my uh that's my theory. And he's a sub package rusher. And he's really good at He's not great at holding the edge or identifying when there's any sort of misdirection coming. I think he needs LASIK. I think he needs that Jameis Winston. Uh, boy, has got some Coke bottle lenses, but I think he's a tough-ass run defender. He's got that bull rush going. Doesn't have a ton else. I'm going to go back and watch some of his snaps again, but I think, I think he's he's probably got something going. He seems pretty uh, low-key, like a professional. Like He really concentrates on football. Ravens usually get guys going year three, year four. Uh, hate, to, <laughs> hate to look to... Rely on that to be the case, but I, I think uh, I think he's going to be a solid piece. I think he's a nice role player. I don't know. He's not going to be a 15-sack guy ever. Yeah, I agree with that. And, like, the, the only evidence that I would point to is, like, all the guys that have preceded him that have basically been quiet for, like, a year, like two or three Paul years. Paul Kruger. Yeah, and then, like, figured it out at the very least. They, uh, they know how to get guys figured out. Bureau's 931. Does Bowser exceed seven sacks next year? I'm going to go with... On the on the money, seven sacks. I want to say six. I'm gonna go under. Seven sacks for Bowser. Uh, Hardar Swami is Ajalari going to fall to 27? I don't know. Uh, he's super young. He was he is like he is like the things that John Harbaugh loves. He was the first Kirby Smart at Georgia freshman captain. He was the 2019 weight room. Uh, strength and conditioning program player of the year, I think for the entire Georgia athletic program. Uh, and he like, he's very durable. He plays the run well. So I don't know, but I think he, I thought like Mike Vrabel might like that. Like, I don't There's, there's some teams in the twenties. I'm going to say no. I think three rushers go before the Ravens. I think it's Adjulari, Pay, and Phillips. I can see it. I could see it. Alex Muirman, which high draft pick do you guys think will end up being a bust? I'll phrase that as who needs a lot of work? Who, who, is a, who is a you can? Like, you can get him to do this, or if he could. Um, Zach Wilson, I feel like, is boomer bust potential. Yeah, I'm fucking all over that train. I wasn't even thinking quarterbacks, because I don't think about them like that. I think because the Ravens don't need one. Uh, yeah, fuck you, Zach Wilson. Yeah, you're <laughs> listen. We can get that out in the air right now. You're not not big on uh, our headband wearing friend there from not big on Zach Wilson, Utah. Six sub sub han sub han six sub han Bateman or Marshall? Bateman. I'm not done. I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. Bateman. I can't answer that yet. Probably Bateman. Bill Alex Meerman. Do you guys think Bowser plays up to his extension, or does he just stay kind of average? I think that's some baloney. I think uh, I think he hasn't played a ton of snaps, but I think he has been consistently better than average, and especially in coverage. I think he's one of the best coverage on-ball linebackers in the NFL. Uh, I think he was first in total points by SIS for on-ball linebackers, and 
He can, you know, he can rush the passer. He can play the run a bit. He's good in space. He, I think he got underpaid. So it's not like he's got some big ass contract that's like, oh my god, they paid Ty's Bowser so much. They, I think they underpaid him. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, that was a really good value signing. I think he was good last year, and like, if all he is is good this year, that's just fine. That's commensurate with what he's being paid. Bureau's nine thirty one. What is the be- <laughs> what is the best case scenario for what the edge rush looks like next season? I'm going to say that the Ravens have either Melvin Ingram or Ryan Kerrigan. They have, I mean, best case is like they draft freaking Ajilari at 27 and also have Ryan Kerrigan and also get someone like Davion Nixon or Liam McNeil or uh, Levi Wuzurike or, you know, someone else in the defensive line that can rush a little bit. I think that would be the best case. Yeah, sounds sounds like a good best case. That would be the best case. They sign someone and draft someone high would be the best case. Tyrod D. If Orlando doesn't get traded, do we draft a successor at right tackle on day two? I think that they have to draft a tackle at least probably by the that fourth by the fourth round. I think one of the first three picks is going to be a tackle. The Ravens dating back to Michael Orr. After Michael Orr, every tackle they've drafted over the last decade plus has been at least six foot five and a half or taller or taller than a six foot five and a half. Pardon me has had at least an 84 inch wingspan and at least 34 inch arms. The guys I think that have value in that area draft wise, potentially that meet that threshold stone Forsyth out of Florida, Spencer Brown out of Northern Iowa. Um, yeah, those, those two, I think one of those two guys is going to be a Raven. That's my, my bold predict. Yeah. I think, um, you kind of have to because, like, even if he does stick around, like, he's doing all this squawking, and then you're talking about a contract here. So, either they trade him and they get something, or they don't, and he walks anyway. You're probably going to need a plan in place. And it'd be nice to have. It would be really nice to have someone like Stone Forsyth or Spencer Brown sitting for a year, maybe getting you know some limited reps, and then being able to take over after that redshirt year would be a sweet scenario to deal with Orlando Brown being gone. For sure. Joe Bokeninj JC, top three tailgate foods and worst Ravens April Fool's joke. Top three tailgate foods. I get. Ex- I honestly like. I didn't like. Hot, I didn't like Glizzies when I was young, but like, they're the best. If there was a, if I see a tin full of hot dogs that are on like a white bun and they like look like they're cooked okay, like that's pretty exciting. They're the best. They're like the easiest to kind of maneuver your way through a crowd with and kind of like eat quickly. I think. So I'm a glizzy gladiator. I'll put pigs in a blanket with hot dogs too. Yeah, I'm a glizzy gladiator when it comes to tailgates. Uh, I love a glizzy at the turn on the golf course. Just a big glizzy guy. Um, I can I can fucking rock with some meatballs, with some little meatballs. Yeah, those are good. The ones with the stick that you kind of like pull out of the, the crock pot, those are good. Um, For sure. What else? Burger, wings, freaking. You know what's sneaky? I kind of really? hate, I hate getting my hands messy with wings, No, fuck but, like, I love eating them. Unless it's boneless wings and I could do a plastic fork, um, which is the superior way to eat them anyway, but we don't have to talk about that. Um, <laughs> the uh, Have you ever done the chili in the Doritos bag? Oh, uh, Fritos or Doritos? Doritos. I mean, maybe Fritos, but I've done it. I think I've heard of Fritos, but that does sound good. Yeah, those. That's sneaky. A good tailgate thing. It's not very common, and it can get a little messy. But that's that's a good one. Burger, a little little crabs, a uh, little like crab balls. A burger uh, is good, but it can't be too big. Like you need the right size one that you can just kind of one hand it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely like 
bigger than a slider, smaller than a burger, like a slider plus. Right. It's like awesome. Uh, shrimp, shrimp cocktail. Shrimp, yeah, for sure. Shrimp in there. Uh, Andrew MK, how are we going to fuck it up this time? What? Andrew MK, how are we going to fuck it up this time? Fuck what up? I think the draft. Oh. Um, it's funny because the Ravens are like one of the best drafting teams recently and over the la- over the course of the franchise. Yeah, but. that's where like I think the like it's fun with the fan base being so insane at times, but then other times it's like, hey, bud, like maybe let's just let's smoke a little weed and chill out, you know? Like that's like it's, like it does it's not that serious, bro. Like they're they're fine. Like it's okay. I mean, if they're gonna fuck it up, it's like when they fuck up, they actually made a better decision like Marlon Humphrey. Like that was fucking up. Yeah, like I was I was distraught when they picked Marlon Humphrey. They did take Hayden Hurst over Lamar Jackson. And then they took Lamar Jackson. So that and Hayden Hurst kind of worked out. Turned into JK Dub. We had the earlier question, players they passed on, what, Ridley and Moore? Was it both of them? Yeah. Or well, no, Moore was uh Moore went in the early 20s. They traded, they could have drafted one, traded down. Then Moore went. Then they drafted Hurst and Ridley got picked. Is that what it is? Yeah, you know, I think they were in the teens, and I think Moore went like twenty third or something. So yeah, they probably could have had them both. I don't know. Like neither of them really moved the needle for me, though. Like they're oh, they're good. Both both moved the needle for me. Ridley is dirty. Uh, yeah, that's how they could fuck it up, I guess. Ryan Spolstra, thirty one. Who is your favorite underrated prospect? I've already talked about the big fella, Godzilla, William McNeil. I like Janarius Robinson out of Florida State, the edge with pterodactyl arms and. Hits hard and sets the edge well and can rush the passer a bit. Um, what else we got? Who's who's underrated? Safeties, no. Baron Browning was very underrated. Now he's like getting first round buzz. Hmm. Jamin Davis has a lot of buzz. Underrated. Who else? I think Tryon. I think Tryon. I think. Hunter Long, very much so. Tight end out of Boston College. I feel feel like he's going to be a top 10 tight end, good pro for a long time. Able to be in line, able to play in the slot, can block better than most. Um, Yeah, those are my guys right now that I would say are pretty underrated. So, wait, what was the question? I'm sorry. Which prospects are very underrated right now? Or who is your favorite underrated prospect? So, out of those, my favorite... William Bradley King, I've talked about a bunch too. Um, I think I've been on the William Bradley King train for a long time. I'm going to go with him. If he doesn't get drafted by the end of the sixth round, I might, I might denounce myself as knowing anything about football because no one fucking likes him. I, I can't imagine it being the fifth round and not picking him. Like I can't imagine any team not picking him in the fifth round. Tryon, Wyatt Davis, and uh, probably Tylen Wallace. I feel like people aren't really talking about. I love Tylen Wallace. I, I still need to go watch more Tyler Wallace because he's he's been another. Tough he's one. a little. He's going to be. Brown, I'm, I'm, he's I'm tough like, to like love. He doesn't separate as much as you would probably like. I think knowing what you enjoy, but uh, he's just I don't know. I like I like what he brings to the table. He's I don't know. He'll like he, he can like truck stick people. He uh he's an interesting player, interesting player. But uh, Hamika Rashid, Rashid too. That's another one I talked about him uh, back in the day. He. Uh, had his pro day come in. He didn't have a good three cone, but he had a crazy good broad jump, long arms, and yeah, fast player and would be an interesting interesting depth guy. Chris Rumpf, Duke, too. 
A lot of edges. I think there's a lot of underrated edges. Okay. There we go. That does it for the mailbag, ladies and germs. Thank you very much. Cool, man. Well, running about 65 minutes here. That was a, uh, a nice, tight discussion. I very much enjoyed it. I enjoyed it as well. Thank you guys for the mailbags. We appreciate it. We didn't have one for probably two, three weeks there, which I think was good. I think we're getting mailbag heavy. And yeah, we like to uh, like to move away from that, mix it up a little bit. We got very discussion heavy, RE free agency and all that. I feel like the free agency uh, period is pretty much worn off at this point. So unless some sort of trade is made, probably not going to be like dicing that up too much. So, you know, we'll, uh, we'll keep bringing it. We got draft content on the way. Like I said, coming on Tuesday is going to be our defensive lineman uh, episode of the big board. And we'll probably give you some updated standings as far as players that will be seated into the bracket just before the draft. We're probably going to be probably we're getting close. I mean, we only, we only got four more of these things. Draft is in four weeks. Yeah. Something like that. So we'll probably, we'll probably do like one, we'll probably throw like one player in that is like a quarterback or a running back or something that we don't want them to draft exactly. outside corner. Something like that. Yeah. Toss them in there. But so, that does it. Yeah, that does it. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, we hope you guys have a uh, great weekend here. Uh, and very, it, very yeah, yeah. It is. Uh, it actually is already the weekend for your boy because I get Good Friday off inexplicably every year. Hell yeah, which is great. So got a tea time tomorrow. Tea time on Saturday. It's gonna be gonna be a nice one for me. Hope it's a nice one for you guys. Uh, uh, if you enjoyed what you heard, feel free to like and subscribe. Uh, if you're on YouTube, and then also subscribe and leave us a review if you are uh, listening on RSS. Uh, also, follow us on social media. You can follow the show account at Podcast Beatdown on Twitter. You can follow me at Jake Luke. That is L-O-U-Q-U-E. Spencer is at Ravens 4 Dummies. That's the number four. Follow us at Be More Beatdown on the main account and Baltimore underscore Beatdown on Instagram. Appreciate everyone tuning in, and we will talk to you again on Tuesday. See ya. Arrivederci. Gorlami. Gorlami. Arrivederci. 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 Arrivederci.